Let us again rise from our seats for our scripture reading. Our scripture reading today comes from Daniel 7, 1 through 18. This is the word of God. Please give it your careful attention. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear, It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked... Thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me, and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, KSPC. It's good to see you this beautiful day. Um, Guess what October is? October is uh, the month of Halloween. It's also the month of, uh, you know, the Reformation as well. Um, But I want us to be aware of another aspect of uh, October. It is 
Pastor's Appreciation Day. Um, how many of you know uh, the five or six staff members serving the Centerville campus? And there's four over at DC, and the rest are all in the JG All-Stars Ministries. Um, I want you to look at the EC website and uh, pray for them, care for them, contact them, express your appreciation. I am saying this especially not for my sake. Uh, I would actually ethically withdraw from this, but I would want you to express your thankfulness uh, and your kindness to these people, especially the part-time and the interns. Please take care of them as your own because they, uh, they serve you with utmost diligence. I asked uh, Chris to get me some water right before because, because uh, uh, I was feeling really thirsty. And I want to ask the same of you. Uh, please uh, give water to our interns and to our uh, part-timers. Uh, may God be glorified through that. Um, we have the Congregational Assembly at uh, 11 o'clock today. So please forgive me if I sound like a YouTube video sped up at 1.5. But it will be a little faster, but I want to get all the information across. Let's pray and start. Heavenly Father, uh, please, through the Holy Spirit, open our, our, uh, our eyes and our ears and our hearts uh, to see and to apply what you desire of us alone through your word. Uh, may there be no um, unpure essence mixed into this, but may only the word of God be understood. And then may that lead to a profound security and joy amongst your saints today who are receiving the word. May you be glorified, Father. May there be much joy in your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right after the Great Recession in uh, 2007 and 2009, uh, I think 2008 was like the actual uh, most severe year, there was one industry that started booming a lot. Uh, and in 2010, that industry was noticed by a website or a publisher called IBIS World, I-B-I-S World. And that's a publisher of business intelligence. And they noted that the fortune-telling industry made about $2 billion a year from that point on. Uh, tarot cards, palm reading, uh, mediumship, uh, where you talk with uh, ghosts, or aura readings, and astrology, and crystals, and Wicca. All these boomed after that very unstable year uh, between 2007 and 2009 of the Great Recession. And it became lucrative uh, for one single reason. It allows you, I'm going to try to jump into the sermon through this, it allows you to have a, a hope or security in a fixed point that you can tell about the future or about things unseen in the midst of chaos and unpredictability. And so whether you tell the future, whether you're thinking about the spiritual world, world, you're looking for one point of accuracy to build your life upon that. That's why it's so lucrative because of the chaos of the recession and the inability of people to prepare for the future. For example, nobody will build a home in an area that is prone to earthquakes or floods. And in this day and age where people can't distinguish between deep fake and hyper-reality, which is a term created by a postmodernist uh, philosopher, uh, when we do not know what information is true, uh, no one will trust images and videos. Uh, we try to latch onto anything with security, but without physical and mental security, nobody can dream about the future. In, in, the, in other words, we can't prepare for with hope a future trajectory of our lives. I see many young adults, uh, many people, uh, sorry, not just young adults, I'm sorry, many people cope uh, with chaos in life in different ways. And they do that by trying to latch onto things that have transitory or tr transient value or security. Um, but after countless trials and errors, 
they discover one after one things like, oh, like currencies are volatile. Uh, Bitcoin is, you know, goes up and down. Uh, relationships don't always work. My boss might have a different opinion of me one day. Health is not guaranteed. And in the, in the midst of this chaos, what happens is that people give up dreaming and they settle for temporary pleasures. Having a long hope and a long dream is impossible when everything is chaos. And yet in verse 2, let's look at verse 2 of today's text. Daniel says, The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. In Jewish literature, uh, the sea always stood for a symbol of uncertainty, chaos, and confusion. And so when Jesus was you know, riding, uh, riding on, on a boat in the waves and he rebuked the ocean, uh, rebuke is only used for a person, a character. And so he's basically treating the seas as an, a chaotic entity in, in that scene. And here we see a sea of uncertainty and chaos and confusion, yet Daniel has a vision and a dream that sustains him, even though this great sea is being stirred and causing great chaos. And my question for us today, how can we dream in the chaos that we call exile right now in Babylon? How do we continue dreaming? Because a lot of us have had the idealism beaten out of us. And the ministry often needs to raise up, raise up people from their pessimism and cynicism. How do we dream again? What should we dream about? And so let's look at the things that emerge first from this ocean of chaos. We have to identify where the chaos is coming from to know what the actual solution is. So that you wouldn't set your hopes upon volatile things that are chaotic. Number one, there are four beasts that represent the characteristics of four coming kingdoms. Chronologically, today's passage falls between chapters 4 and 5 of Daniel. And so this is not just one story from all the way from Daniel chapter 1 all the way to the end. There are uh, the visions take place in between the narratives. And so between chapters 4 and 5, between Babylon and Persia, this is when Daniel's having this dream. Now, today's vision particularly interacts with the first dream that Daniel interprets, if you remember it, about the statue. And there's a correspondence going on in the imagery. Let's look at the, uh, the vision slide. This is what Daniel dreamed about in the first uh, dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And you see the statue with different components and how strong the kingdoms are. And the dream that we have today is also just another way of showing the same vision. It is there will be four successive kingdoms with different characteristics. And it's a very colorful vision, but a very solid message. How do you look at this? I remember um, back at the University of Texas, my business professor was saying, and he told me this, David, uh, we, had, we were having coffee, and he's like, if you treat a company as a living entity, an organization as a living entity, and you analyze the decisions of the board members or the board of directors, and you treat it like the behavior of an individual, listen to this, as soon as you don't see a smiling boss's face anymore, as soon as you don't see uh, the conversations and the personability, the, the character of the persons involved in decision-making, when that's all taken away and you're just left with a set of decisions you will soon conclude that any major company lives and acts like a sociopath. It will decide things that only benefit it at the cost of other entities, and it will make very malicious and very difficult decisions that, I want to say, look like a beast. What does that mean? The four beasts that we see today 
are a depiction of what a human government looks like apart from the human interactions that we have, or what a human kingdom looks like as a singular collective entity. Look at the way that they live, what they ascribe to, how they live out their futures, how they make decisions and do administration. You will see human nature conglomerated. And what God is saying is that humanity bunched together in a government is not pretty. It is a beast. It's a conglomeration of our greatest vices and our greatest flaws. And we will look at what flaws these are looking at or these are talking about. The first beast, uh, the first beast in verse four. Let's have verse four on the screen now. Was a lion and an eagle put together, uh, and this stands for Babylon. Uh, a lot of uh, ancient Near Eastern textbooks, if you study history, Babylon always was stood for by a lion and an eagle with a man's face, and that was actually the royal insignia. And so many images that we see of the Babylonian kingdom have this imagery. So. Uh, this is Daniel basically drawing on the symbolism of that day, but he's seeing it in a dream. He knows this is Babylon. And now it's a royal but proud beast. It's a lion and it's very proud. Uh, and the wings of this beast are one day plucked off. And the beast stands up on his two hind legs and talks like a man. What's really interesting is what happens to the beast is exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. What happened? He spoke proudly. He's like, he's looking at his, his kingdom and he's saying, look at everything I have done. And in his moment of pride, God makes him lose his mind like a beast. And he's out there for seven years eating grass and growing his nails and sleeping out in the fields. And when his sanity returns, he stands up, he is humbled, and in his humble, like, uh, sober mind, he praises God. And that's the first time a beast sounds like a man because he's humble and his pride is uh, taken away from him. Case PC, one characteristic of the beast in us is the pride. Uh, One nature of of our fallen sinful nature is that we are prideful. Pride makes you less than a human. Pride makes you subhuman. And humility in relationship with God is what keeps you human. Understanding that God is creator and I am the creation makes you the most human. The moment that you try to transcend humanity by being more powerful, more more skillful, and more smart, you lose what is central to our identity. It is that we are creators, that a creation that have needs and wants and desires. We need a creator. May you be humble. Amen. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you raise yourself up, he will pluck away your wings. But humble yourself, and God will raise you up. He will meet your needs. Amen? Humility is what keeps us human. Number two, verse number five, we see a bear here. And this bear stands for the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, The characteristic of this empire is that it has a voracious appetite and greed. It devours, it's it's told to devour much flesh and has three ribs in his mouth. I mean, have you tried putting three baby back ribs at the same time in your mouth? It's a lot. What's interesting is that all these ribs stand for the three kingdoms that this empire, the Medo-Persian empire invaded row by row. And so Lydia in 546 B.C., Babylon in 539 BC, and Egypt 525 BC. These are the three ribs. And what we need to learn from this is not, wow, like prophecy is so accurate, this is really fun. That's important. But another characteristic of the beast in us is that we are 
greedy. We have a voracious appetite for things that do not belong to us. Instead of looking for three ribs to put in our mouths, I ask you, Case PC, may you be satisfied with God as his children. Amen? Number one, we are creation. We are created by God. But number two, we are children of God. There is no want when you are God's children. Amen? And that keeps us from becoming the beast that is being depicted here. Isaiah 51, 11 says, 58, 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually. He will satisfy your desire in scorched places, and he will make your bones strong so that bears do not rip it out. <laughs> and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Do, do you not desire this satisfaction? Amen. The satisfaction that only comes from being a child of God, we need that to be human. Amen. May you look to see where God is satisfying you with waters upon waters of living waters. And you will find yourself truly human the way that God created you. Verse number six, we have a third beast. And it is a leopard with four heads and with four wings. And this is standing for Alexander the Great's Macedonian Empire. It wasn't as powerful as the upcoming Roman Empire, but Alexander the Great's conquest of a lot of land was completed in a mere 10 years. It was extremely quick, extremely competitive. And so it was swift and aggressive and, and dominative. And so imagine how fast a leopard with wings are. It's a characteristic of the beast. And that's another characteristic of humanity is that we strive for competition and dominance. This is a direct result from the fall as well. In a fragmented world with limited resources, influence, and time, the most primal way we interact with each other is through dominance. However, servants of God pursue unity. Amen? We do not dominate other nations. We pursue unity amongst them. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor, nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Dominance is not what we do to interact with each other. Amen? You may feel like this is too grandiose. It's like, oh, dominance sounds like a, a too big thing for me to swallow. Let me tell you what happens in so many soon, uh, soon gatherings. Like you see each other for the first time and you just started your Zoom probably and you're making introductions. You're like, uh, well, we're a lawyer family. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, we're in the medicine, medical field. And you start introducing yourselves to position yourselves in a better, reputable way amongst your peers. And there is always that comparison of who's more mature, who's less mature, who's newer to the faith, who's, more, who's better at things, who's more talented, who's better positioned. And all of us relate to each other by profiling in order to subtly dominate in the church. And that's why so many bad things happen in church, is that people who feel superior to others feel slighted when the playing field is evened. May we not dominate, amen, but may we pursue unity in the Lord. There is one body here at Case PC, and God's church is never divided. Amen? Amen. Finally, the final beast is unlike any of the others in verses 7 through 8. And this stands for the Roman Empire. And what a beast this was. It broke nations with teeth made of iron, and that was left over, it stomped with his feet. 
and it had 10 horns. Whenever you talk about horn in biblical imagery, a horn is something that stands for authority and power. And so it's referring to 10 successive rulers. And the 10th horn had a human eye in it, and it spoke great things. This empire, the Roman Empire, had the most sophisticated government uh, out of all these because it was a monarchy that turned into an oligarchy that turned into an autocracy, right? And in the midst of that, there were deep politics, there were, you know, a lot of bureaucracies. And in the middle of that, they were still able to conquer 50 countries with this military power. A final characteristic of our fallenness, listen to this, is deception leading to brutality, Deception leading to brutality. In other words, the horn sees something. The, the leader, authority, sees something through the eye on the horn. And then it utters something. It says great things, motivational things, that lead the rest of the body to devour and trample. Don't you see this in our culture? There is a ruler, or there is a president, or there is a leader who sees society in a certain way, then utilizes media to speak in order to dehumanize their social political enemy. The leaders then demonize them, and then the masses celebrate their destruction. I don't know if we're talking about the Roman Empire anymore, right? Every... You know, last week, looking at the news was the worst thing I could have done because we were talking about prayer. This week, the news was helpful because we see how nations operate. You know, every YouTube post that's divisive, a comment under there that you'll probably all have read if you are actually following the news, it'll always say, protect this man at all costs because he's telling the truth, right? And so we all have this divided uh, understanding of the truth, but we demonize the other people, and so they become less than human. And usually the civilians die, right? May the words of Jesus ring in the church's ears today. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Amen? May Jesus be our truth. Do not let deception lead you to brutality. That is the way of the beast. Now let's appreciate at this time uh, just how accurate these visions are. Uh, this vision is, it probably took place in 553 BC by the most liberal estimations. So, this predates the Persian Empire's three conquests of Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt by 7, 14, and 28 years. And it predates the fall of the Macedonian Empire by, in 168 BC by 400 years. And it predates the fall of the Roman Empire in 476 AD by about 1,000 years. And so people who do not believe in the historicity or the accuracy of Scripture have a rough time with words like the, like the prophetical literature. It's so hard to decipher. They either have to say that Daniel wrote this way later, and so this was retrospective, or that Daniel couldn't have possibly known that it would be these kingdoms, and so he's making a wild guess. But the word of God is accurate, isn't it? Daniel is not just prophetic, not just because it's accurate looking forward to the future, but why do we also call it prophetic literature? It's because it's accurate not looking forward into the future, but inside into the human condition. That's why it's so prophetic. It looks inside into who we are, and it asks this question, why is the world so unstable 
and chaotic because we are proud, power-hungry, deceptive, and brutal. The biggest reason why the world is so chaotic is because of our lack of self-awareness. We say Israel's wrong or Palestine's wrong, Russia's wrong, and there's no, like, in the middle, and, and, like, basically my side is the side of the light and the side of the good, but the message that we're trying to see here today is that I am the beast. Let's look at the side. It might look a little disturbing, but this is exactly what we see in the mirror of Scripture. God says, you are depraved and fallen. Every inclination of your heart is evil. No wonder the world is so chaotic because if I had the power and the resources and the network to maximize my ideals, I would be a beast. Do you see that? I would be a beast if I had everything under my power. That is the sociopathic nature of not just a collective singular humanity, but myself and the ideal circumstances. And my question is, well, if you don't agree, and you can't agree with my depiction of humanity, please read Romans 7 and see how much that reverberates with you. But now, if that is true, our question is, where is our hope? I mean, we're going to have elections next year. Where is our hope? Are we going to fight amongst us? Where is our hope? Daniel's eyes are lifted beyond the ocean, beyond the chaos, beyond the things that it spawns, the pride and greed and dominance and brutality and deception of the ocean. And here is our hope. Verses 9 through 10 depict the ancient of days. Amen. The ancient of days referring to God. And let's see how God is so beautifully different from the four beasts. There we will find our hope that allows us to dream again in exile. The beasts are proud. They devour. They compete. They dominate in order to reign over humanity. But let's look at verse 9. It says, let's look at verse 9 on the screen. It says, the ancient of days took his seat. That's the throne that we're talking about. Amen. The ancient of days took his seat. The throne always belonged to him. Amen. I wish you were seeing the word. I'm not making this up. It says the ancient of days took his seat. It belonged to him. He doesn't have to compete with the beast. It just belonged to him. And this is so important for us. When we look at the chaos in the world right now, the first thing we have to understand is God, all he has to do is take his seat. And he's already on the seat. It's over. This is a controlled chaos that brings out his glory and the need for justice and mercy in the world. The throne always belonged to him. There was a young adult that I talked to who said that his friend felt so powerless and unable to stop anything going wrong in the war right now. And my response is, don't worry. God will take his seat over the kingdom of all men. Atrocities on both sides will be meticulously observed and weighed and accounted for on perfect scales. Why? Why will there be perfect justice and mercy? Because God took his seat. Amen. That is a God we need to see. A God majestically walking up to a seat and just sitting 
No chomping, no stomping, no vicious deception involved. God just sits and his people are ruled. That lets us dream again. Number two, God, the beasts are drunk in their power, dressed in viciousness. Their mouths are filled with flesh and bone, and their bodies are covered in blood. But the Ancient of Days, in verse 9, is dressed, let's look again at verse 9. He's dressed as white as snow. His hair like pure wool. And this points to the ancient nature of God, but also his holiness and his moral uprightness. God has perfect character, therefore we can dream again. This is what is lost in the world today. It's not even that people are bad. No, what's scary is that we are losing the standard and the framework to define good and bad right now. We don't know what is good and bad. Up is down, down is up. Like, we don't know what is truth. Lies are truth and truth are lies. And in this world, our God is good. That's the only way to be stable beyond the ocean. The identity of beast. They are tied to national territories and ethnicities. Their strength only comes from the ethnic or cultural roots that his kingdom shares with his people. However, verse 9 once again shows that the throne of God of the ancient of days has wheels on fire. In other words, God's sovereignty and his kingdom is mobile. Amen? It's not restricted to an ethnicity or a kingdom or a lineage. God's kingdom is everywhere. It has wheels. Only when God is not just omnipotent, but only when he is omnipresent, when he is active. And so the question is not, God, what are you doing when civilians are dying right now? It is, we know you are working right now. Even in this evil and chaos, you are doing something good. That lets you dream again. That God is mobile. God's spirit has been unleashed now. The Holy Spirit lives within us. There is no ethnicity or culture or nationality that binds us together except for the fact that we are children of God and citizens of his kingdom. Amen? And so we are in a mobile kingdom where everyone can be invited in to God's truth and his love and his kingdom. Finally, the beasts ultimately had their dominance stripped away from them. Verses 11 to 12, it shows that three beasts were permitted to live on while the fourth beast was destroyed. So the Babylonian Empire continues in modern-day Iraq. Persian Empire is continued in modern-day Iran. And Macedonia is modern-day southern Serbia and Greece. But the Roman Empire was so large that it was scattered into 12 ethnicities and 50 countries. No matter how powerful... Every kingdom has an expiration date. Amen? And I'm sorry to say this, America also has an expiration date. Which kingdom will you build your dreams upon? Which eggs are you going to put your basket in? If your hope relies upon a 403B or C or 1 or 401, 403s uh, for pastors. <laughs> but if your hope lies upon a system that presumes some form of government... It's too shallow, and it's going to pass. There is an expiration date on all of that. But verse 14, at least let's get this up on the slide. Verse 14 proclaims, 
And to the Son of Man, Jesus was given dominion. Sorry, the Son of Man stands for Jesus. To the Son of Man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Amen? Which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Dreams founded upon God's kingdom will last forever. Amen? So live as citizens of a different kingdom. Not the ocean below that spawns the aggressive nature of all these beasts. But put your hopes upon a kingdom that will not be destroyed. There is no expiration date. Because the oceans stir and chaos arises from the proud and the greedy and the dominant and the deceptive and the brutal, our only comfort can come from the Lamb of God. Amen. In a world of beasts, only a lamb can give us comfort. Our humble king dived into our suffering, and he was crucified to save sinners. He didn't chomp and stomp. He was crushed for the sake of us, and he spoke the truth. He was the truth. Amen? That's how beautiful our Lord is. He called blessed those who were marginalized and stomped upon and, and, and trampled upon by the world. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek the persecuted, those who hunger for righteous, the merciful, the pure of heart, the peacemakers. Jesus is the king that we need. Not the beasts of the world that compete to go upward and upward, upward. As we live amongst the beasts, our hope against sin and death is a humble king who died on the cross. And when this lamb becomes your king, something strange begins to happen inside as well. The beast in you dies. Amen. Watchman Nee said that God's means of delivering his people from sin is not by making us stronger and stronger so that we can conquer our sin, but by making us weaker and weaker so that the Holy Spirit can reign. And so, the Holy Spirit doesn't strengthen the human energies within us. He weakens the beast within us and he crucifies it. And only when you experience true powerless, powerlessness of the beast within you, then will God sanctify you. And this is what, we, what it means to carry the cross every day, to put an end to the beast that when manifested collectively is so well represented in the vision of Daniel and the beasts. But God will put it into that through the Holy Spirit. But our king will not always be a humble lamb. He will return as the Lion of Judah. Amen? He will reign. Forever, he will judge perfectly. He will exercise justice and mercy. He'll discover the truth. He will show the truth. He will be the truth. And all knees will bow to him. This kingdom will never be destroyed. Have hope, Case PC. That's how we dream. So, what's the application? Don't do a palm reading. Like, don't do tarot cards. No. Trust in Jesus Christ. Let the Ancient of Days take his seat in the throne of your heart. Let him rule and reign so that you would build your dreams upon a future coming kingdom that will never be spoiled or destroyed. Then construct your life upon the sovereignty, purity, activity, and eternal nature of Jesus Christ. 
then you will have security. Your fears will melt away into a permanent hope and you can dream again.